Oh, Lord Jesus, let us experience your compassion. Let us share your compassion. And let us demonstrate that compassion in how we live each day. Bless our worship and bless our hearing and our speaking. In your holy name we pray. Amen. If you are standing, I'm going to have you sit down. If you're already seated, stay there. I would share with you these words from the book of Leviticus chapter 18. We heard before, these are uh, from uh, verses 3 and 4 of chapter 18. And it says this, the Lord speaking through Moses, of course. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you lived. And you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan to which I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You shall follow my rules and keep my statutes and walk in them. I am the Lord your God. This is the word of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus. All of you gathered here today, those of you joining us through our, uh, whether it's the cable broadcast or whether it's our our streaming services, nice to have you with us as well. God's peace and, and his grace be with you. What do David Hasselhoff, anybody ever heard that name before? Uh, Brooke Shields, Mr. T, Nancy Reagan, and Clint Eastwood all have in common. Yeah, they were back in the 80s, right? They, um, they all participated in an ad campaign, a, a, a governmental ad campaign, which the First Lady spearheaded back in the late 80s. And that campaign was called Just Say No. I know some of you, yes, that's exactly the way to do it. Some of you are familiar. Some of you may remember those days. Some of you may have some personal stories to tell about how those uh, commercials or, or the ads may have impacted you or somebody that you know and love. But it was designed to help especially young people. Nancy Reagan, as First Lady, was, was concerned about the ever-increasing use of illegal dr drugs by the young people of the day. And so she had been at a school, I think it was out in Seattle someplace, talking about the ills of drugs. And a, and a young elementary school child asked her, what, what should you say if somebody offers you drugs? And her response to that child, of course, was, just say no. And therein, the campaign was formed. Now, as far as its effectiveness, I'm sure that could be debated. There are still illegal drug use today, so it wasn't completely effective. But did it make a difference? It very well may have. The concept of so simple, just say no. That's really what I think I hear when the Lord is speaking to his people in this transition time. They had been in Egypt over 400 years and their lives had become as slaves, but their lives also had been greatly impacted and influenced by the culture of the Egyptian people. And they were going to be going to the promised land, 
which was inhabited by any number of different nations, but their lifestyles and their views of the world were not in accord with God's will either. So in this transition time of 40 years, which is called the Exodus, God took the opportunity to speak to his people many times with an attempt to retrain as needed, to tell them how they were supposed to live. And that's where we get our reading from today. Don't do like the Egyptians and don't do like the Canaanites. Just say no. But then he went on to say, this is how you shall live. And therein come the Ten Commandments and all of the other guidance that God gave to his people so that they could be different, so that they could fulfill the role that God had called them to be, namely his chosen people. Just say no. If only it were always that simple. As you probably know, there are many in today's world, what some might call a postmodern world. I never understand all those terms. I'm not that smart, but that's, I think, what I've heard. Maybe it's something else by now. But in our postmodern world, it seems like it's being accepted in our society that, on the one hand, there really can't be any things such as absolute truth. And so that concept of yes and no is no longer so clear-cut, so black and white. It's much more um, nuanced, shall we say, or sophisticated. And what may be true for this person may not be true for that person, and so on. And it seems that this mindset has an ever-increasing intolerance for that simple two-letter word, no. To say no to somebody, no matter what it is regarding, seems to be becoming more and more viewed as being intolerant in and of itself and harmful to someone's psyche or well-being or how they feel about themselves. I share with you an example. Now, I certainly am aware that when you talk about teaching children and also teaching and training adults, there are many different differences, obviously many differences in how that can be affected the best. But here's an example from the parenting world from a uh, website where the author of this article deals with the impact of negative language on children. And so in this article, the question is asked, is it possible to discipline without saying no? Her answer, yes, exclamation point. This has everything to do with the idea of being intentional with our words and give a clearer instructions to our children Using positive parenting phrases actually has the ability to set clearer boundaries than the word no itself. 
Now, I think my kids would have wished that I had been influenced by that kind of mindset when they were in my house. They can tell you the stories of the negativity that I'm sure I conveyed to them and, and so forth and so on. And could I have benefited and still benefit today from learning how to rephrase things and being positive and learning how to um, change even the environment as needed in order for children to succeed rather than being told no all the time? Yes. And I would imagine many of us are in that category as well. But insofar as the concept goes, as if the word no does not have to be used, well, some would say, isn't that the problem today? These young parents these days, you know, they don't know how to teach their kids no. And so they just do everything and so forth and so on. That's why we've got the problems in the world. That's why we've got, um, you know, the climate changing and the famines in, in wherever they might be and the wars in the world. It's all because of those young parents today. You've never heard anything like that, have you? You've never said anything like that, have you? I try to push that a little bit because I think we realize that it's very easy to pass judgment on different generations and how they are led by the Lord to conduct their affairs and their families. Boys and girls that are here today, let's see the real truth. Even if your parents have vowed to never say no to you, boys and girls that are here today, have you ever heard the word no being said in your house? Boys and girls, have you ever heard the word no said in your house? Yeah. There wasn't a well overwhelming sense of response. You hear it in your house too. Doesn't matter what age you are, that's for sure. Well, even the author of the article that I read recognizes, of course, that to be devoid of the word no is not the goal. She writes this, in a very real sense, I by no means want my children to grow up without having ever been told no. And my kids still hear no on a daily basis. It is absolutely part of life and one I want them to hear. Amen to that. It is absolutely a part of life. And you know why? Ultimately, because of the fact that you and I, as nice as we may be, as good as we might clean up at times, and as well-behaved as we can be in certain circumstances, we are indeed by nature sinful and unclean. Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan. I would imagine probably everyone, many here, have heard that parable before. The Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10. And it begins with the context of a lawyer who was asking Jesus a question. But we are already tipped off to his motivation when Luke tells us that he was doing this to test 
Jesus, maybe to push his buttons a little bit to find out if there would be any way that he could be condemned for his answer or his teachings. And so he says, how do I inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus turns the question back to him. Well, what does the law say? The law says, and the lawyer answered correctly, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. I almost think that's a legacy verse from Matthew chapter 22, but it's summertime, so we don't remember our legacy verses, do we, boys and girls? Yeah, that was way too energetic over there, that nope. But anyway, so he answered correctly, and Jesus said, hey, you do this, you're going to be great. Well, Either he recognized there was no way he could really do that, or because the answer was so simple that he felt like he needed to, well, we're told he wanted to justify himself. And so then he switched it a little bit and said, okay, well then you need to tell me, you need to define the term neighbor for me. And that's where Jesus tells the Good Samaritan story a story that Jesus shares. And of course, we know the, the gist of it. A man gets mugged, he gets robbed, he gets beaten up, all of his things taken, and he's left on the side of the road for dead. Now, by God's grace, the Samaritan, the one who in that culture and day, as, we're, as we've learned, his race and the race of the victim did not get along. But notice his response. He did not let the differences between them stand in the way. We are told Jesus said he was moved with compassion when he saw the man. There was going to be no denying what this Samaritan would do. He didn't care about any of those aspects. He just saw somebody in need and he went to work. He performed first aid. He did what he could. He brought him to safety and he provided for his further medical care at his expense. By God's grace, that's who you and I are when the Holy Spirit is at work in us and we are able to be moved by the same compassion that Jesus had. That we go out of our way. It doesn't matter what we're doing, where we're going. If there's a need, we're going to do it. If there's a cost, it doesn't matter. We're going to take care of it because we know that this is what it means to show love to God and to our fellow neighbor. Thanks be to God. For those of you who demonstrate that on a daily basis, who step up and who care for others, who work so labor, with so much labor and energy in order to show the love of God in your life. That's by God's grace. However, just like the author of the article said, no is a part of everyday life because we don't always act like the good Samaritan. And for that demonstration, Jesus tells us about two other characters. And you probably know that one of them was a, a pastor of his day. And the other one was considered a good church goer 
a devout person, someone who volunteered, somebody who worked for the Lord officially. And guess what? Neither one of them, when they saw the man who was hurt, neither one was moved with compassion. They were moved by their own self-interest. We're told Jesus said they passed by on the other side. They didn't want to get involved. And maybe they had great reason to. They didn't want to get their hands dirty. They were on their way to church. They were on their way to preach. They were on their way to a family gathering. They were on their way to some uh, vacation or who knows what was going on, but they could justify it up, down, left, and right for why it didn't make sense. They might get hurt. The, the robbers might still have been around it and so forth. But again, in Jesus' parable, he wants the listener to realize that we are not always moved by God's compassion. We have that sinful nature that is always fighting against us saying, no, 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 you want to do what you want to do. Yeah, you can do the Lord's work when you can fit it in. You can help other people when it's convenient, but you got to take care of yourself first. You see, in such cases, Jesus points out that the law is needed. When someone says, I want to do my own thing and not help others, then God's word does come in and say, no, don't do that. You know, he talked about the Egyptians and the Canaanites. Those were the people that the Israelites were to live amongst. I wonder today, when you think about our society, whether it's postmodern or whatever it's referred to as, what do you think would be on the list of things where God would say to you and me of, as godly people, his chosen people who are living in this society, but who live in a society that have accepted practices and philosophies and attitudes and behaviors that are not in accord with God's will, what would the Lord identify? In the rest of chapter 18 of Leviticus and chapter 19 that we heard parts of, God lays out all of the different things that apparently these other cultures were doing, and he said, no, don't do those things. What would be on that list today? What would be on the list that has become common and accepted, not just by, quote, society, but by God's people? With the justification, of course, well, this is just the way it is. Everybody does this. Nobody cares. Nobody enforces this rule or that law. We certainly do have discretion. But what would be the things where God would say, no, I don't care what the rest of society is doing. Just say no. And besides pointing out all of those things that may not have anything to do with you, maybe also add to that list things that do touch home. Things that maybe only you know about, but areas that you have been able to justify. Things that you have said that, you know, this is just how it is. And yet God would say, 
No. The one who told the parable of the Good Samaritan, he is also the one who served as the Good Samaritan. You may have noticed that when Miss Roberts was reading that Old Testament lesson, there was a phrase, a, a statement that came up. It came up at least seven, eight times in, in the you know, 15, 20 verses that we read. And God would say, don't do this, do this. And then he would say, I am the Lord. Now, it could be that he was using that for emphasis to reinforce the law. In other words, saying, just say no, don't do this. And if you do, realize I'm the Lord. I'm going to know and you're going to have to answer to me. God has the right to do that. And in fact, that's one of the roles that he plays as the almighty God. But I wonder if when he wrote and said these things to the people then, if he didn't also meet them in the way, don't do those things. This is how you should live. I am the Lord. I'm the Lord who loves you. I am the Lord your God who delivered you out of slavery. I am the Lord your God who has provided for you in the wilderness when you had nothing to eat or drink. I am the Lord your God who has protected you from your enemies. I am the Lord your God who gives you victory as you take over the promised land. I am the Lord your God who has forgiven you your sins. Makes a big difference, doesn't it? Can we hear Jesus saying to us, just say no and live this way, but then saying, I am the Lord who has come to you and bound up your wounds, your spiritual wounds, the places where you have left yourselves vulnerable and have given in to the pressures of this society, where you've justified yourself. I'm the Lord who has come to clean out those wounds, to, to put on salve, to heal them, to bind them up, to make sure that you are healed, that you are forgiven. I am your God. That makes a big difference. And by God's grace, it is what enables God's people to just say no when he tells us and to say yes whenever he invites us. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.